0: Hey there, queeros. That's right, that's the new word I'm using to describe our listeners, because it's the second episode, so you get it. You're in, you're on board. What is a queero? It's a queer hero. Somebody that made me feel good about myself so that I could feel like I could be the person I already am. And hey, listeners, you know what? You're doing that for me. By subscribing and reviewing and liking the show on iTunes, by tweeting about it, you are telling people that you care that this media is made. Thank you so much for that. Today on the show, we have my friend Solomon Giorgio. Solomon is an unbelievably talented stand-up comic. You have to just pause the podcast and watch his Conan set. But um, also, Solomon has a special coming out on Comedy Central very soon. As a human being, a good chat. I think you guys are going to love this one. So please enjoy the show. Let's go find- So, Solomon, hello. Hi, Cameron. We've already been talking, so it's weird to now say hello.
1: Like, hi, again. I know,
0: we've already been looking <laughs> at each other. You got me a
1: little water and everything. I'd, There's it, really... <laughs> the
0: waters are so teeny. I know. And you're kind of tall. Well, it's... I yeah. mean, I'm small, so I feel like I always think I'm the same size as everybody, but then I give you a hug and I realize that yeah. I am not.
1: It's okay. Well, with me, it's like oh. a little water. I, like. I'm still, regardless, we all like to feel like giants.
0: Uh-huh. So
1: That's right. It's, yep. Like even if there's somebody taller than me, I'm just like, I don't.
0: <laughs> so you want the water to be little so that you, you can feel, feel like thick. Yeah. you're the master
1: of the water. Exactly. I'm in charge of the water bottle. I understand that. It's a tiny bottle. <laughs>
0: so, Solomon Giorgio, it's so nice to have you on the show. Can, uh, welcome man. to Query. Oh. And you and I know each other mm-hmm. because you are a hilarious stand-up comic.
1: And you are, too. Because we're both hilarious. hilarious Yes, so we know each other
0: from being hilarious stand-up comics.
1: That's how it helped. Yeah, I met you in Seattle. Was it... Oh, wow. It's like
0: a while ago now.
1: It was a thousand years ago. I think it was almost nine nine years ago.
0: Yeah, neither of us. We both live in L.A. now. Yes. Um, But yes, you were in Seattle and... I'm trying to think of the first time I actually saw you perform, though. Like, if it was then, I don't know.
1: Um, um, I know I saw you perform first, and it was definitely at uh, Chop Suey. Yeah. And you you did a whole hour for all of us. So. I did
0: do a whole <laughs> yeah. hour at Chop Suey. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, you know, years ago when I lived in Chicago, the normative way to, like, start touring as a comic is to get booked at clubs yeah. and then go do a weekend there. But what I would do is just, like, go do an hour at some random bar in a city where I didn't know anybody.
1: And it helps. It <laughs> and works. It, it was really great.
0: Yeah, that's it was you, great.
1: That's how you collect fans.
0: Mm. Yeah, exactly. That fan base. I was mm-hmm. working on that fan base. Yeah,
1: I'm, I should, I, I'm very not good at that. And I always appreciate it when people are like, oh, I'll go out to nowhere. <laughs> well, this
0: is why, I mean, number one, I do think many people are aware of you. But I'm also like... You're somebody that I'm excited to watch uh, your career continue to grow. Like, it was really awesome to see oh. you on Conan oh. because I think that um, you're just saying stuff that, hey, isn't it a great time to be a comic that's a little different than what, than
1: Jerry Seinfeld? Um. <laughs> <laughs> I just
0: think of like Apex comic <laughs> that you think of walking in front of a brick yeah. wall. It's him.
1: Um, yeah. I like, I definitely it's nice to have all these other adjectives, uh, <laughs> um, but if also at the same time, I do feel there's, um, there is a path that we all kind of take that's very similar, uh, comparatively, uh, regardless of our backgrounds as comedians, we all kind of go, this is what I want to do, and this is how I like to do it, and <laughs> we don't stray too far from each other for the most part, but it is, as a queer comic, it's kind of like, uh, it's trying to find a, a space where you exist in the standard uh, f- the standard format that people, just that path that other people take. You're like, all right, you've been here before, but now I can find my, fiddle my way into this <laughs> a little bit.
0: Yeah, that didn't used to be true. I think what you're talking about, and correct me if I'm wrong, is like walking the, mainst- the path mm-hmm. that is mainstream comedy. And the type of stand-up that you and I do, which is like personal and mm-hmm. about stories from our lives, like that's kind of what everybody's doing now and it didn't always used to be the case and so like if you were queer in the 90s or 80s, -hmm. you didn't really get to play rooms no. where well, everybody you, else
1: was straight. Well, you did, but you didn't get to tell people you're gay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: yes, yeah, you had to, yes.
1: Yeah, you yeah, to keep yeah, that a yeah, secret. We that. we had a few a So few you, of those. you
0: mentioned adjectives. What are your adjectives?
1: Um, immigrant, gay, uh, black. Those are the three main ones that I maintain <laughs> at all times. <laughs>
0: yes, absolutely. Always working on all yeah. three at the yeah, same
1: time. They kind of show up, and I'm like, let's fucking wing it. <laughs> so for
0: those people that are new to your story you're an immigrant. Where are you an immigrant from? Um,
1: my family um, came is Ethiopian. Uh, I was born in Sudan, uh, and I was born in refuge, and we came to the States in 85. So I was about four years old.
0: Oh, we're the same age. hmm Yeah. Yeah. 81. You came, yeah, yeah, you came here when you were four years old, and do you have a... I don't know that I'm trying to think if I remember stuff from. Four. I had like surgery when I was four, I th- so I remember that because it's one of those moments. I don't know. Do you have mem- a memory of this? Well, the,
1: I think uh, always our earliest memories are usually a very traumatic one, right? Um, and mine is flying to America. Wow, you remember the <laughs> yeah. you remember the flight? Yeah, the flight was just a whole. It was like I am in a <laughs> hurling piece of metal. Oh wow! Being flung into the sky, and I didn't. Yeah, I had to experience that at four, and then I was like, okay. And I remember asking for yogurt. Uh, and uh, the stewardess gave me strawberry yogurt, which I never had up until then. I always had plain yogurt because uh, that's just an Ethiopian way of doing it. And then she gave me like, plain yogurt with spices in it. So I've been eating spicy yogurt my whole life. And this lady hands me strawberry yogurt. I'm like, okay, wherever we're going, it's going to be tight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> American delicious. Yeah.
1: <laughs> this is solid. I, I'm, I'm done for this. I think that was like, it was the first traumatic memory I've had and like the first feeling I've ever had of like, being calmed <laughs>
0: wow do you remember what else do you remember about that flag? do you remember like what you were wearing I remember what I'm wearing in that moment like I remember I was you know wearing this certain I, I just I remember
1: my brother was crying and that was about it and I can't really recall anything else other than when we got to our first home in St. Louis when we that was the first place we lived and that's when I was like okay that's the second strongest memory I have is Moving into a home, having a TV, and it being cold outside, and not being able to do anything but watch TV. <laughs>
0: wow, your your brother is older, younger?
1: Um, my brother was two years younger, so he was definitely a little kid, yeah, tiny baby. He yeah. was allowed to cry yeah. on.
0: <laughs> and I, I'm, I've never taken that specific flight, but I'm gonna. See, where did you fly into? Did you fly into St. Louis?
1: I'm. I don't recall do you know? very well. Uh, I. Definitely assume that the flight required us to land at JFK and then uh, take a uh, another flight to St. Louis, um, which I guess is a standard protocol. Which, uh, but uh, yeah, I'm I know that we it goes to Berlin, and then it goes to JFK and then it then St. Louis.
0: And who is traveling with you?
1: Um, that would be my mom, my dad, uh, my two older sisters, and my younger brother and my older brother. And my mother was also, I think, at that time, she gave birth in November, and that was in August, so she was seven months pregnant.
0: Oh, my God. (laughs) Even just... Oh, my God. Even just having that number of children and yeah. being seven months exactly. pregnant. Like, 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 there's so many different angles you could approach oh, yeah. that being a very difficult moment in somebody's <laughs> life. Like, any any descriptor.
1: It's like, uh, she had this many kids, and she was pregnant, and she was flying to America, and one of them was demanding yoga. And yogurt. fleeing. Yeah, like, there's
0: like, like nothing was uh, seemingly chill about this moment. No. Um,
1: but I'm Do you s- remember your mom in that moment? I barely do. I always... Like I uh my earliest memories of her is her at one point having to soothe m- me or my brother, and we were fussy kids, so it was constant, and she would always like scratch my head and make me lay in her bosom until I was fine.. <laughs> <laughs> So that's most of my memories. That sounds great. That's always all my early memories. Her just like, lay down on my chest and I will scratch your head until you shut up.
0: (laughs) I mean, I'd I'd still like to do that. That sounds great. I know. It was
1: perfect. I I have an affinity for it now. My boyfriend scratches my head and I'm just, I melt. I can't do anything. (sighs) Like anyone who just rubs my head, you're just, I owe me for.
0: (laughs) That's now we know. Now I know the thing. Take your headphones off. (laughs) No. Take your headphones off. I can't be subdued here. here. (laughs) Um, Okay. So you're, you're, it sounds like, I mean, I'm just, I'm struck and like kind of dumbfounded by how I can't get over your mom being in that position. Just as like as a woman that yeah. has none of those things going on in my life, <laughs> <laughs> I, just am, I just have to take a moment. Uh, but I also have so much um, compassion and empathy and interest in young you yeah. showing up in St. Louis,
1: oh, um, will play with my mom. She, f- she, she's a uh, high functioning in chaos. Mm. I and I think uh, it's also right now when there's an, as many kids, you can definitely see how she prefers to function in chaos. Because <laughs> now that there's no one there, she's like, y- like she has like like all this energy that's like I usually harass seven kids to behave. And now they're not here, so I gotta.
0: Actually, my parents are the same way. I totally know what you mean. Oh, yeah. My my dad is still, like, will forever be trying to solve problems that like we do not need help with at this point. We have like partners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, what's up, dad? Thanks for thanks for that. <laughs> thanks for
1: like always. But being also like parent.
0: get you know maybe get into your own stuff. Of course, you know like focus on your own shit, baby.
1: Oh, yeah. Perhaps. I I just, yeah, I want my mom to find a group of friends that she can harass. Yes, that's exactly right. (laughs) Well,
0: do you think, when you got, I mean, speaking of friends, so you get there, you're four. Yes. I'm imagining that just connecting with other kids.
1: Well, that was definitely a barrier because we didn't speak English. Um, Yeah. But we did have a neighbor, I think her name was Tina, um, and she had an Atari 2600 and she would uh, let us hang out in her house and play Atari for, because I think the fact that we were just amazed at everything she was showing to us, <laughs> just this like look of wonder that she's like, they're constantly impressed by everything I show them. <laughs> so I'm. You I, made
0: Tina feel real good. Oh, I think we
1: made Tina feel great. because Her there were choices
0: just like, and the objects that We love everything you she do. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, this is Kool Aid. This is the best thing I've ever drank in my life. We're so impressed. I we'll have another strawberry yogurt, Tina. <laughs> exactly. I'm mm-hmm. oh, like, do you have a strawberry yogurt yeah. <laughs> and some, <laughs> some Kool Aid? I'm set. I'm impressed.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> so, that's cool.
1: And then, yeah, we went to daycare there and it was just, it was like a lot of like constantly being bewildered and not communicating with, being able to communicate with people properly. I'm just always thrilled to be somewhere.
0: (laughs) Were your older siblings school age?
1: Um, I'm assuming yes, if you Um, were four. I was four. uh, My sister is two years older. She was going to elementary school and then I think all my older siblings uh, at that point the eldest was nine, that came over, uh, and so yeah, they're all elementary schooling it up, and and
0: who learned English first? And we, I mean, do your does your family does your family speak English um, now?
1: Yes, uh, for the most part. Um, I think all like when it came to me and my siblings, we all sort of caught on at the same pace, um, and my younger brothers. Uh, they were able because they were they they weren't speaking age uh, when we when we came here. So they, were, I don't think anyone was ahead of anyone yeah. uh, when it came to learning English. I definitely got to reading faster um, because I was obsessed uh, with that. Because uh, you have
0: a smart brain.
1: I, it just looks like you're a cool person if you're holding something. <laughs> and is that why you reading.
0: smoke? <laughs> <laughs> it yeah, does I, look like a, you're a cool person if you're whatever holding something, I can do right? to look cool. Yeah, that's <laughs> just a. It's a a true statement.
1: Yeah. Well, I started smoking because um, when I was 16, I worked at JCPenney. And the uh, ladies in the uh, perfume department would go out and smoke uh, cigarettes uh, during their lunch break. I would hang out with them, and then they would go watch Passions. And I was like, okay, these ladies are obviously awesome. So I like. Like,
0: median age of these ladies is?
1: Oh, between like upper 30s to 50s. Just. Just,
0: and just this 16-year-old kid. It's just
1: JC Pennies <laughs> to the T. What
0: department did you work in?
1: I was working in the suit department. Of course. At of course you were. And I I wasn't I wasn't doing the best there. I I was definitely like, I don't want to be here. Uh this is a terrible situation to be in. And there was a shark that was working with us. Uh and he would be like, he tried to take he tried he stole my cells, and I was perfectly content with that. He was like, he was trying to like I get as much commission as possible, I'm like, look, at the at leaks they're going to pay me eight bucks an hour. I don't really have.
0: <laughs> yeah. You're I'm, in it for the minimal.
1: Yeah. I'm here to hang out with my ladies. Yeah. During. Some... Passions. <laughs> and smoke my menthol cigarettes.
0: <laughs> did you guys live your family when mm-hmm. you moved here in St. Louis? Did you live? What kind of neighborhood
1: did you move into? Um well the neighborhood that I moved into was not the best neighborhood. It is now the Gay neighborhood there. Oh really? Uh, which I was very surprised by when I when I, I, I feel went like back. maybe i have
0: been there? I've been yeah, there then. I what think is it it's called? It's
1: called The Grove. Oh. And I like it's my the old house that I lived in is I went there uh recently when I was performing at a college and I went to the old house and I was like, "Oh, well this is much nicer than I recollect." <laughs> 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 and I was like, "Well and then Who
0: lived there when you lived there? What what kind of people?
1: Um, it was. Uh, I think it was. It was mostly an immigrant uh, community. Um, Tina was our neighbor. I know. I, re- I recall that, and I think she was the only white person in the neighborhood. So it was definitely a uh, mix of uh, Africans and um, and African Americans.
0: Uh, I was going to ask because, or the reason for that question is like. I don't, I mean, I certainly don't know what it's like to be black, and I also mm-hmm. don't know what it's like to be black, and then black Americans have a different experience than you do. And I don't I don't even know if that's true for you, because you came over here when you were so well, young, but well, moving is, into a community.
1: Um, there is a variance, um, because my family uh, and the way that I grew up, uh, like, I, outside of my home, I was black for the most part. Um, but there is a mentality you have uh, having an African family, which is you don't think of... Um, you're not taught that black is other, uh, like that wasn't like a comprehension that my like my parents never conveyed that to me. My parents never were like the police here are dangerous. <laughs> like you should be aware that being black in certain spaces isn't okay. And that was not like like we all learned things together. And one thing that we learned as a family was what is racism, <laughs> and, <laughs> wow, and how it applies to us. Uh, because we yeah there was. My parents are not uh, of mentality. They're both, My especially my dad, has a privileged background. Uh, even though there was a civil war, he still, uh, his family wasn't poor. He wasn't in a situation where he thought less of himself. Uh, and that was instilled into us is that we're not less because we're black. Uh, and that was, like, it was given, like, society definitely handed it over to us, like, you're less because you're black, and we're like Sure. But it, it made it uh, less, uh, it was not less digestible for me, uh, so I wasn't, it wasn't a, a thing that uh, hindered me um, self-esteem-wise. Uh, it, it Like, there was brief moments where it became an issue, but it was very easy to overcome because my main identity is Ethiopian, which isn't a color. <laughs> of
0: course. Yeah, and are Do you have? Are any of your other siblings queer?
1: Um, I do. My sister is also uh, queer. She's a lesbian. Uh, but she. That was the, that. We we sort of drifted. Uh, me and her uh, <laughs> in two different paths because uh, that's our background. Our our parents as are were abusive. Uh, so and she. Uh, there the issue between my parents before homosexuality was just the cultural differences. Uh, and how we behaved and how we didn't behave d- due to what Ethiopian families expected. And so there was a lot of traditional stuff that my parents once instilled in us. Uh, and like, we've...
0: what would be the expectation <clears throat> that they would be um, to getting to you?
1: Well, for like behavior wise, that's a like, my parents are very strict. Uh, they, they didn't really trust anything <laughs> uh, in the American system. Uh, Like hanging out with people, doing after-school activities were questioned all the time. Uh, Participating in American holidays, which which were very confusing for them. They're like, we don't want you to go out there. Like Halloween was the hardest thing to explain to them.
0: Oh, wow. So was the expectation that like the core family unit was Mm -hmm. everything? Yes. Would be everything? Like you wouldn't have to have other friends?
1: You don't need to go anywhere else. You don't need to be anywhere else. You should not have to. So it was definitely maintaining uh, just a very like my parents had a lot of expectations for each of us, uh, especially since America has, um, like had, like there's the American dream is here. So you work hard and you do all these things and you follow these rules. Uh, and that's sort of what my parents did. They just became extreme and like, you have to be good all the time. (laughs) You have to be your best and you can't stray from these things. And my sister, uh, she, she definitely, um, she was a rule breaker. Uh, (laughs) But I have one of those sisters. Right.
0: I got a couple of those sisters.
1: <laughs> but I think, in all fairness, I think my parents were uptight, and she deserved to break <laughs> those rules. Deserved to be broken. Um, however, that just led to her uh, definitely being a running, being a runaway, uh, and being a ward of the state for a little bit. Uh, and that in itself is actually the worst thing possible, because <laughs> uh, yeah. The state is not that nice, uh, and she ended up in some terrible foster situations, and uh, so she got into drugs and gangs. And she, she's definitely open about her queerness now, but unfortunately, she's like twenty years into a heroin addiction. So. Oh wow! Yeah,
0: are you so close with her? Are you, are you um, close it's with...
1: one of those things where like. With uh with her, it's uh she shows up every once in a while. She mostly lives on the street, and if not, she's in jail. So when I do see her, it's on occasion and it is in Seattle and it's usually when I'm downtown Seattle and she just pops up and it's usually when I'm a friend that's never met her before and they're like, Who is this person just talking to?
0: So is this an older sibling?
1: She's only two years older than me.
0: Um and it... did you have any sort of like, do you think there's a relationship between that sort of acting out and an expectation about or like a lack of acceptance about queerness? Like, is there a relationship it's, there or do you think it's just overall Ethiopian culture,
1: American culture? Um, well, there is. The culture difference does include homophobia.
0: Because I would imagine that. I mean, I don't actually have any queer mm. siblings. I could imagine that if I was a queer person that was trying to figure out my identity. And I mean, did you have an inkling that she might be? Of course, that, that might be what's. Like, I would imagine that that would be really scary to watch somebody um, struggle that much.
1: Oh yeah, it's it's more. It was along the lines of um, her queerness definitely didn't help, but it wasn't the initiator for how she ended up being a runaway um, because, like, she was definitely more of um, more more butch and definitely more of a more of a tomboy, but that really didn't hold up my parents in any way um, because my mother is also a, a very strong, assertive woman so it's kind of like she didn't really see any any issue with that. My, there was definitely an issue with my me being more feminine as a kid uh, but so it was more it was like the gender roles were definitely more strictly applied to the boys um, and it most like my, my uh, sister's issues definitely queerness was an issue uh, but it wasn't like the predominant issue is also just an issue with her not wanting to be following the set of rigid guidelines that my parents put up put forth on their kids, uh, and and then it became more apparent through t- through time when we were like like the, the the queer issue definitely became more of an issue in our upper teens than it was in our younger in the younger days, um, and like it's. I guess it's, it's tough to call, tough to recall exactly what she was going through because she became addicted to heroin around the age of 16. So, uh, like her, like...
0: You would have been so little.
1: <laughs> I was, I was, I'm 14. I, I mean, was, but that's just, little,
0: that's little. Oh, yeah. Like as a person, mm-hmm. you know?
1: Yeah, it's definitely, it's one of those things where I, I was aware of um, my sexual preference and... It definitely was an issue of uh, hindering it and holding it back and trying to behave a certain way, um, especially in regards to what uh, the just masculinity and feeling that I have to behave uh, in order to, to maintain uh, this uh, illusion, I guess.
0: So we're the same age. You were aware of it at 14. Were you aware of it prior?
1: Oh, I think I, I feel like I was definitely like nine. Um, when I was that was my masturbating age and I, <laughs> yeah. I put I put two and two together and I was like, all right, we know what we're into.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, th- I think across the board. Um, in our in American culture, there's the same thing that you're talking about where I think men tend to be patrolled more. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a narrower needle that you're trying yeah. to thread in terms of behavior. Women can i mean then there there is another side to that which is like once you're a woman who's rejecting men mm-hmm. then it's like you're disgusting and useless to the universe exactly. because men are important so why would you do that um but i think that when you're a child i th- you know my experience has been and then a lot of women that i know um didn't feel as told by other people what was mm-hmm. going on for them and so like it it becomes then hard yeah. to identify it in yourself where you're just like, I love sports yeah. and fried green tomatoes. These are the things I love. And people yeah. are like, sounds normal, put on these overalls, you know? Uh, but I think if you're a young man, I, I think that's really different. I think oh, people yeah. are
1: really because if you, constantly yeah.
0: telling you what they what they think you are.
1: Well, men, like it's like you have to, the definition of a real man is so, like it's so like narrow and like it's like you have to follow these set of guidelines, which is like, and and it also it just means behaving even slightly effeminate is just too much, uh, and that's the thing. I think my sister didn't really have an issue because she was dating boys up until a certain point, and then when it became apparent that she was dating women, that was when, uh, that's when my the homophobia appeared. Like it was one of those things where she, they had to be presented to my parents. Right. Like oh, you can but be not homophobic. For you now (laughs) yeah but not for you for me the like it was it was definitely there was an awareness and a lot of like stopping and curbing my behavior um in regards to to how i uh how i acted and how i spoke and who i
0: do you feel like forever like do you think if you looked back at your childhood that it would have been that kind of like patrolling and navigating.
1: Yeah, it was done with forever. the movies that I watched, it was done with the toys that I played with. It was like everything was sort of steered to be like this is what you're into now. This is what you're going to be watching. Right. This is what you should be doing. This is not what you're going to do anymore. It was
0: What did you want to play with? What did you want to watch?
1: I like it was it was really weird because I I had a stuffed animal that I loved dearly and my parents didn't care for that. <laughs> <laughs> so that and that thing kept being thrown away. Um
0: oh, that's That's heartbreaking. And it's, yeah,
1: it was, like, it was uh, definitely, uh, like, whenever I did something effeminate, it was mostly just something masculine had to be presented to me immediately in order for me. (laughs) To learn, like
0: you did, which is why you're.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm definitely into all the masculine stuff. (laughs) But
0: also, actually, I would say, um, how do you identify now? Do you think, do you, do you notice yourself Being effeminate? Is it something that like that like that voice is now in your head and you notice yourself?
1: Um, It's definitely a lot of uh, growing up has been uh, giving myself permission to behave certain ways. Um, And like uh, I cross my legs now every once in a while. And it's one of those things where I do notice it and I do think about it like am I allowed to be (laughs) to cross my legs in this situation? I'm like, why does that matter anymore? Just fucking cross your legs. Do you
0: give yourself permission?
1: I always do. Uh, but there's always a part of me that has to ask, is this like, is this the appropriate thing to do in this situation?
0: I mean, I, re- I do relate to that, though. I will say I do relate to that. Because, you know, something that I notice about myself um, is that certain types of men, like mm-hmm. men that I would have dated, men that were somehow like, I don't know what. So if it wasn't, you know, we're all on a spectrum. And so if it wasn't like men that I was drawn to that I would have dated... For unknown reasons, because I didn't <laughs> want to do anything, but I didn't mind having them around. Yeah. I still find myself like wanting to please men because that's the thing that um, is taught to women yeah. who want to date men. Like, if you want to date men, you
1: have to please this guy. And take care of but him. that's
0: not true for all men. I just find that like it's interesting that to f- find that little moment where like I there's certain types of dudes I cannot talk to like in a normal way. Like yeah. I can I can talk to them like. A weirdo that, yeah. I, that has nothing to do with my personality. Um, and a hyper feminine. Like, I notice my posture changes and the motions that I use with my hands, and I get very, like, wristy, you okay. know, like, i like, and I do patrol that about my, not patrol. I'm so aware of that now because well, yeah. I.
1: Well, you're code switching, which is. Yeah, ex- I, <laughs> yes, code
0: switching, exactly. You're,
1: you're putting yourself in the right social situation to appease the other person and since men are kind of
0: it's wild because i don't want to appease that person like that's what's so wild about it is that i'm fighting my own like my body is doing something that my conscious mind is so mad about like (laughs) like fucking stop it (laughs) he asked you a real
1: question what are you doing i i i I get that completely Uh, there's it is one of those things where when i'm code switching for survival uh, well, I'm like, okay, there's nothing but straight guys here. They're very aggressive. I'm going to do whatever I can to uh, present myself in a way that does, like, man up, straighten up. Don't cross your legs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't do anything gay. What's what's gay about? You? All right, <laughs> get rid of it now. <laughs>
0: Take your pants off. Now you're pantsless.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Why did you do that? That's the thing you're supposed to do.
0: <laughs> um, what Do you find that that happens? At, tell me about a scenario where that would I'm, – I'm just going to suggest a thing. mm mm-hmm. Because I know comedy well enough. Yeah. Um, does that happen ever on the road? I could see that happening on the road.
1: I've I've done sets that have been toned down uh, in comparison to what I usually do, um, and but not so much. Like I do still talk about, th- like it's still like the things I do talk about are there. But I still like I can see myself like testing the audience, like just. Dipping my toe, I'm like, you're like, oh, okay, let's uh, backpedal and s- okay, is this fine? All right, this is fine. All right, good, good, good. It's one of those things where I like, I don't immediately go into the set that I want to do, and like, I'm like, this is what I feel good about. And I'm gonna tell it anyway. It's like, oh, you guys are a bunch of Trump supporters in Indio, California. All right, well, um, let me, um, I'm gonna definitely do the things I want to do, but I'm gonna not force it. The way I usually do, I don't. I'm gonna be more. I'm gonna finesse it the best way I can.
0: <laughs> yeah. Do you use the term queer? Do you ever use the term gay?
1: Um, I usually say gay, uh, mostly because I think that's just queer was a newer thing. Yeah, uh, our generation. It's,
0: yeah. I, I'm asking because um, I feel like, and it could this this could also be mm-hmm. this could the same queer could be used too. I just was gonna say a very specific thing, which is. Um, I just noticed at Put Your Hands Together, which is the show that I host here in Los Angeles, um, that – so, you know, I host that show with my wife, Mm -hmm. and we have a very – I think, like, in terms of shows that can have mixed demographics on a bunch of different levels, like, sometimes there's older people there or, like, a teen with their parents or there's a lot of LGBT folks – um, there will even be some people of color. Yeah. What? How did they get to the UCB? Um, and I still find that, like, given that and, like, how Rhea and I sort of set the stage there, um, that even there, gay men talking about sex is, like, this frontier that I feel like I've had to watch comics, like, build up to. I have oh. no idea what your relationship is like to that. But I think that for some reason that is still a category. Like, and I don't mean, like, talking about sexuality i mean like talking about sex yeah because straight men uh of straight course. male comics like that is so that, that any that can be accessed from like any mm-hmm. point right we can like hold pick yeah. like a dick you yeah. know you can do, you can do so many things yeah. um but
1: i don't feel i feel like for gay men it's really different what is that experience like for you um it's one of those things where I, I think I talk about sex quite a bit.
0: <laughs> you do. I've I've totally heard you talk yeah. about sex. And I'm like into it because I think it's difficult.
1: Um, it's one of those things where I um, I try to like normalizing gay sex uh, for me is like it's sort of like it gets it becomes the uh, the uncomfortable. Like there's the tension that builds immediately from that which at first i was very afraid of but then i realized that that's when i can have the hardest punchlines is yeah you can crush on that yeah the when if i make you so tense at the idea of mentioning gay sex and on average i don't go into full detail <laughs> i just go i mention it and they're just like <laughs> 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 and you're like chill oh, out yeah. relax this is a joke and um but i do have like one joke that i i do every once in a while is uh, a joke about fisting uh, and it is. It elicits the most guttural response from a straight audience. <laughs> it is so. How do you insane. roll
0: it out? Like, do they know in the setup that it's about fisting, oh, I, or is it in the punchline? I, I
1: the the I, the fisting comes up eventually, but I actually ask permission of the audience multiple times if I can tell them a gross joke, <laughs> and then when I tell them I have fisted a man, they just all just like, <gasps> I'm like, mm-mm, we're here. This is where we're going. I'm sorry. You you thought that I, I, I inquired before I went this route and you, you gave me permission. <laughs> and it, it's one of those things where I don't think it's like an insanely like uh, like grotesque joke by any means. It's like I'm, ve- I'm telling you the nicest fisting joke possible. <laughs> and, it's, and it's one of those things where when people are presented with such a, like illicit uh, and detailed information, they're just like, I don't know. Is this okay? I'm like, it's perfectly fine. You've done weirder things. We've all done weirder you things. You know,
0: that's funny because that is always the reaction yeah. that I have to, like, that sort of gasp. Um, even if I'm the one mm-hmm. doing the gasp, which I'm, like, kind of never doing with gay sex. But sometimes <laughs> straight commies are talking about that, I'm like, oh, my uh, God! Uh, you do what? Uh, uh, uh. Uh, but, um, <laughs> but I find that, you know, what's so... It always makes me wonder what kind of sex the audience is having? Like yeah. and and then I worry for them. Like I don't like it doesn't make me um I'm not saying that I feel that I've always felt 100% comfortable as a comic getting up and talking openly about my life because like for me there's a part where you go, "Oh, are you like imagining me doing this now?" And then how does that play into our power <laughs> dynamic where I'm the one in charge and you're the audience member that's yeah. listening? Um and especially because like, you know, if a straight dude is talking about sex for cis straight men the like presumed sexual act is like they are penetrating Mm -hmm. um and so like if you're anybody that falls outside of that like you might be the one that's being penetrated and like oh god wouldn't that be crazy for you to have that experience and be into it um so i think that that does like kind of mess with my mind about power dynamics but i get so sad thinking about an audience that, like, I want them to, (laughs) I want them to try some stuff.
1: Well, they just, it's one of those things where it's, it's not like when people treat things like it's the greatest taboo, it's like, really guys? Like, it's like, we're all, like, there are people, like, people are aware of gay sex. People are aware of how a lot of it works. (laughs) And it's like, you, you're familiar, but just the notion of mentioning it is going to, it's like, it's like. It's like it's a function that so many people do that you should just be chill. Like what's <laughs> like just uh, chilling Wait, out. Is can just, I ask a question yeah. right
0: now because I'm just realizing that this is uh, – you said people are aware of how gay sex works or, mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, and I had to watch the television show Queer as Folk before I actually understood how Oh. <laughs> dudes have sex with each other or how people with penises have sex with mm-hmm. each other uh, because – I was raised in a super Catholic family. I never had sex ed. And I, like, don't have that much experience with penises. So I was just like, (laughs) I mean, like, I have some, but it was always at a distance. Uh, And I just didn't get it. And when I watched Queer as Folk and um, something that's so revolutionary about that show is that they have characters sometimes face each other Mm -hmm. and sometimes not face each other. And I was my mind was blown um, (laughs) in a really positive way where I was like, this is so awesome. Um, How did you learn about gay sex?
1: Um I sort of uh kind of uh, figured it out. Uh-huh. Uh, and then there was the uh then we got a we got a home computer in 1997 and it answered all of my questions. Great. <laughs> yeah. I was able to be like okay this is how that's done.
0: So is that, like, porn? Is that porn? Oh, yeah. That, yeah.
1: yeah. It was, like, um, because gay porn itself is very difficult to find. Um, so I would just draw things on my own.
0: Right. You can't find yeah. gay porn. Yeah. Where would you find that?
1: It's, you'd have to... You have to make it. Yes. Shadow puppets. Exactly. You
0: can't get that stuff.
1: So I, I drew it, and then the internet helped me uh, become better at figuring that out. <laughs> uh,
0: but you know what's awesome about that is that... Um, like, I think porn is cool and that porn yeah. t- totally rocks. Uh, hoping that the people that are in it are being treated <laughs> well. Like, oh, that, yes. that's, like, the boundary for me. It's yeah. not that I ever feel guilty about using or looking at porn. It's only that I, like, hope that there's safety and, yes, and exactly. payment going on. Um, and I think for straight people because there's, like, weird patrolling stigma that's mm-hmm. passed back and forth, that's reinforced again and again by culture and media, uh, you're not supposed to learn from porn. Yeah. Like, and and also there's, like, some stuff you shouldn't learn from porn. Of course, porn. there's, like, yeah. Like, like there's don't definitely. go that hardcore, like, that quickly, because yeah, they, yeah. like, did some stuff off camera.
1: Exactly. Or they're professionals. <laughs>
0: like, some stuff's going on that you might not be fully aware of. There's, there, yeah, there could be things. There's augmented situations. Oh, yes. But I do think that, like, for gay people... Um, Using television or using porn is like an awesome thing because you don't have to feel that there isn't the same like shame around using Mm -hmm. it as a a teaching tool.
1: Um, On average with most gay porn, well mainstream gay porn, uh, it's definitely, uh, it's unlike straight porn, both partners orgasming is important in gay porn because it requires them to visually ejaculate.
0: That's right. (laughs) I also i i uh, only watched gay male Mm -hmm. porn for for a really long time because um, I mean I think part of this was me deluding myself, but again on that like safety situation, it's like you can actually tell if this person is having a good time. There's a physical representation, um, and so that was Mm -hmm. like a. But now I'm like, oh, there's also drugs and stuff that you can take. So, but I but there's just like some part of my brain was going like, well.
1: This if everybody has, has erections, erections they're having a good then time.
0: I don't have to feel terrible.
1: Well, there, there are gay porns where um, sometimes the bottom doesn't have an erection, and I'm like, I don't really know if I can commit <laughs> to this, because I don't know if you're having a good time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh... But that might be what they want.
1: Well, that's true. But I just it, the it's for the visual affirmation, mm-hmm. especially somebody who like, if if I want to know that somebody has permission to erection, that, yeah, that erection from the bottom kind of helps out. and Be like, all right, you're definitely. <laughs> it does feel like
0: a bit of a safe word. It's like
1: it's like oh, that's a yes. He's yeah. here for it. <laughs> yeah,
0: that you're hearing is. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, um, you learned on your own.
1: Were you teenager? Um, for the most part, yeah, it was definitely uh just like you just kind of penises going into a thing is kind of what it what it was. <laughs> it's like, oh there's a hole in the back. That's the only other hole <laughs> that isn't the mouth.
0: Yeah, but I mean like um I don't even mean like how were you figuring it out, but Ah, oh, you're a teenager. Everything's fucking...
1: I was very good at math. Bonkers. I, <laughs> everything's, everything's
0: hard. Well, that's a funny yeah. thing to say. Um, but no, everything's difficult. I feel like when I was first with women, I... Well, maybe it's a little bit different too. I think when penises aren't mm-hmm. involved, um, there's like so much negotiation that happens. Because like... There is no standard act, yeah. and that's kind of an awesome thing.
1: That sounds perfect. Yeah. I like. I Sometimes,
0: would... also when penises are involved, that's true. I just mean that when <laughs> penises aren't involved, there's it's always it's, it's always it's... a
1: nice conversation. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that sounds it, nice though.
0: It, it is nice.
1: Um, there was definitely. I don't. Th- on average, uh, there aren't any conversations before <laughs> when I have sex <laughs> when you're a
0: teenager, especially. Uh, like, you're just going. Well, you're just time,
1: doing going for it. Well, most of the time, most of my encounters. Uh, uh, with men sexually has been like, you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs> and then you're like, wait, did we talk about what either of us liked before we got into this hot mess?
0: No. And then what do you do? You just talk about oh, it yeah, in the figure, moment? Yeah. Or are you just a lot of eye contact? <laughs> you're asking questions?
1: Well, you definitely ask permission. And sometimes yeah. there's people who do things that you're like, yeah, yeah, you shouldn't, you should have asked me before you put my toes in your mouth. because <laughs> I'm not here for that. <laughs> Pro fisting, but I hate toe
0: sucking. Get that toe sucking out of here.
1: It was weird. It's one of those things like this guy just like immediately just like, well like he just put my foot in his mouth which I was like oh okay here we are and it went on for about 10 minutes it didn't feel great i have very sensitive <laughs> feet it was very disgusting
0: <laughs> well i'm sorry that that happened
1: and i'm like i'm and i'm saying that entire like what did i do today did i went for a run today i think we went to the park i don't know if i washed my feet i knew you were,
0: <laughs> i knew you were thinking that that's what i would be
1: thinking and i would then, be
0: if i wasn't prepared for that, I would be wondering. Oh, I was where wondering those, all those, where those feet, had and then gone. every
1: once in a while, his boner would hit me in the back of my knee, and I'm like, "Well, that's just <laughs> that's a weird, that's a place I've it's never wanted to feel place. that."
0: <laughs> that's an unusual place.
1: They're like, you should definitely ask a lot of questions before we got. here.
0: <laughs> so, speaking of boners in the back of your knee, mm-hmm. this is there's not that's not going to be the segue. I just was imagining a world where like that I could make that into a segue. Okay. Um, I want to talk about. You and I having this conversation, mm-hmm. and what it's like for you in comedy. Because, I mean, I think of you as a pretty like—I uh, don't know what the right word is. What's the th- word for you? Say what you mean. You're you're oh. uh, you, you
1: straightforward. You, you're straightforward. <laughs> <laughs> That's the word. Gay forward. Yeah, I think of you as
0: pretty gay forward. Um, yeah. I think of you as a pretty straightforward person. Uh, do you think of yourself that way?
1: Um, I, I try to be. Uh, there's always. Uh, there's a, I. I am definitely confident uh, in when I say things, but there's always a part of me that second guesses outside of the social situation I am. Uh, but for the most part, um, being honest and uh, completely transparent is sort of my preference because it just. Uh, it's the best, the best defense is uh, an amazing, a good, <laughs> good offense. Decent yeah. offense, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I know, yeah. Like, I I, completely put all my cards on the table, so that way no one knows I'm cheating.
0: <laughs> right. Ooh, ooh, that is, there's, like, so much in yeah, that. exactly. Uh,
1: but being, a, a, like, just in general, uh, a minority in this country, you're always faced with uh, imposter <laughs> syndrome. Yes, sure. So it's, like, even though, and that's kind of... Um, With age, I'm getting better at not second guessing myself, but it's definitely it's imperative for me to be as like fully upfront as possible, uh, in order for me not to mentally fall apart.
0: (laughs) How do you feel like that is received in our community, like the comedy
1: community, and it's it's... not our
0: queer community. (laughs) We have so many communities. Exactly.
1: Um, Comedy wise, it is. Like I starting in Seattle, it has been the, a great situation uh, because it's a, a very liberal, uh, supportive city in regards. So when I started comedy, um, like I was put in a place where I was uh, sort of uh, comforted and was told that what I'm doing is okay, and that uh, permission, like even though I shouldn't seek it, is necessary for me to perf- like to proceed with comfort.
0: But that is. I think – I mean, yes, as a human being, I think that, of course, you Mm -hmm. shouldn't be carrying that around with you. But I think as a comic, it's really important to feel like it's okay that
1: you're doing this thing. Well, because we – like, especially when we first start, we don't have much of an audience.
0: Uh (laughs) Oh, yeah. And also, I mean, I'm not saying – I didn't – I don't think I had that for the first couple Mm -hmm. of – well, that's not true. There were people along the way that, like, gave me – positive reinforcement. And I remember all of those conversations and especially because like where I started, it was like straight white dudes was, it turns out that was the thing. Um, So (laughs) hearing this from like that person, you know, was, was kind of a big deal just because I was like scared. Yeah. I was just scared to be a little weirdo. Of course. That was outside of that.
1: And I, and that's what I fully expected when I started uh, and we'll started going to the open mics, um, but what I ended up getting was the the alternative scene uh, in Seattle was about a year or so, like it was a few years old, and it embraced me immediately. Like it was within a couple months that I got to do literally every show in town. It wasn't uh, an issue at all. Like it was like making sure that I had the time and the space and the comfort to be who I was was absolutely like, remarkable.
0: And how has that experience translated to L.A.?
1: Um, it's kind of a, it sort of safeguarded me. Like, it, it, like any issue that I had in L.A. in regards to how the industry works and how it treats uh, minorities and queer people, like, it just became like, okay, I have, I, I was lucky enough to garner the tools to be funny, so it doesn't matter what's, like, like yeah, I'm going to deal with uh, whatever, uh, Discrimination that comes my way, but it doesn't. It like I know how to continue performing. I know I can keep going, and I know that I have the ability. And it kind of, and it also helped taught me how to seek out the right people in the in the L.A. community. Like the L.A. comedy community is wonderfully and beautifully supportive, uh, and also very mean spirited and cruel. <laughs> but that depends on where you decide to hang out, who you decide to hang out with, and. When I when I came to LA, I was able to immediately just fly to.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It is a really it is a like choose your own adventure city. Exactly, it's the ultimate. I think it's the weird big suburb that um, you can live whatever life you want to exactly. live here. And I think you're a very talented comic. I'm uh, just to say that to know. your face. <laughs> and <laughs> I hope that you have all the success in the world. What do you know? And this is like not a there's no setup to this mm-hmm. I'm just curious do yeah. you know what you want to do with this like do you know what your end game would be
1: um I definitely uh, want to be in a position where I can produce uh, things of my own um, whether it be TV shows or or just but for me stand-up comedy is something that I will always get to enjoy doing uh, even though it doesn't like it's one of the things that you can always keep doing, and it will get it'll get you work that isn't stand-up comedy, um, which will make you sustain a life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, but in itself, I definitely... I never want to be in a place where I can't go on stage and perform. Um,
0: I know it's the best, yeah, isn't it's... it? I also think that when you're... Um... Well, for me, I can't believe that i get to live the life that i have and i can't believe that you know i started doing stand-up in part just to like mm-hmm. tell big groups of people that i was gay <laughs> I, was, like, I know how you feel. just like got <laughs> up on school because it was so exhausting yeah. to like go get a you're like you're like in line getting a bagel or whatever and then the person's like so are you taking this home to your boyfriend and then you're like <laughs> Oh, like, what do I, like, do, like, how, like, what, it, you're a bagel salesman. <laughs> like, what how much do I owe you and how much do I owe myself exactly. about being honest in this moment? Or, like, planes, you know, you're sitting next to somebody on a plane and they, like, ask you a personal question and you're like, I have to sit next to this person for four and a half hours. And so, I don't know how I should play this right now. <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, I have a wedding ring on my finger and whatever. Um... So for me, when I started doing – I only realized this after the fact is I was just looking for a place where like if I went up on stage and just said I was gay, then like everybody afterwards that I would talk to would know what was going on. And it was a safety thing where I was like, I feel so safe now. Like dudes are not going to ask for things that I don't want to give them. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's not entirely true. (laughs) Um, And it also allowed me to make – friends at that point exactly friends that already knew who i was as opposed to like friends who were finding out
1: exactly it's i think when you walk like like coming out like after you come out on stage you just get to enjoy a space where everyone knows what your intentions are what's your like you learned this a certain amount about me an anonymous person (laughs) before (laughs) yes (laughs) but now you can you know what i want and you know how to Speak to me, well, sometimes, for a lot of, there's, there's there's people who are like, I "Sure, heard what you said, And I don't think I care too much <laughs> right, for it. Right, right. And I don't think that's who you are,
0: <laughs> but my social anxiety about being tasked with something that I could not deliver mm-hmm. was like very it was was something that was very big for me. And I think, uh, like talking to groups of people in a controlled setting where exactly. I was in power was,
1: like a very manageable way of dealing with exactly. interacting with the world. No, that's a perfect, like if we have, um, we're always given a social responsibility. Uh, and even we choose to, we don't have to undertake it, but at some point it it's becomes like, I have to make you aware of a person like me so that when you deal a person with like me in the future, you can be better at it. <laughs> and it's sort of, uh, it gets rid of having to speak to every person. If you become more known, and they understand this about you immediately,
0: <laughs> yeah, it absolutely, gets,
1: it gets rid of that initial like conversation. You don't have to, you're, like you don't have to come out to your coworkers anymore. <laughs> no, Your
0: coworkers know <laughs> exactly. They know very much. Yeah, they uh, know things that coworkers should not know.
1: <laughs> it's. It used to be when I was in an office, like half the staff there would know I was gay and the other half wouldn't know. Yeah. Because I'm like, eh, I don't know you yet. Right. I don't know you well enough. I'm not going to give you this information.
0: <laughs> no, I know. And I still feel like when I travel, um, people come up and talk to me about their mm. situations all the time. I'm sure you get this, too. And um, I don't know. How did we pull this off? I don't how know did how we I get know. into how did we get to live in this situation where we I... can tell people what we are?
1: I was very surprised that that happened. I was honestly every time it keeps happening. I was like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> this is." I didn't really expect you guys to be here yet. I thank queer eye for the straight guy. That was definitely <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they think we're magical beings now right. of some sort. Right, <laughs> It's like okay, but uh, it's it came. It finally came to the place because I remember when I first started in Seattle, there was only two queer comics um, that were yeah. performing, uh, and then. And it is at at the point now where I don't know how many queer comedians there are anymore. And that feels fantastic.
0: Yeah, it does feel really great. Like, it feels really, really good. Yeah, and it feels a little bit less competitive in that way, too. Mm-hmm. Because, like, um, I mean, when I started, there were two other queer comics. Like, within within the six years that I lived in Chicago, maybe there were four total, mm-hmm. you know, that came in and out. And that just makes everything, like... It's like there were two women too, you Yeah. Know? That just makes everything like you're elbowing each other out of the way. Um so it's nice when there's some numbers. Although I will say like as a queer comic of color, mm-hmm. that's still it's, uh, it's a growing, I know, it is you know, it's a growing
1: which I do number. enjoy. Um but the great thing like it's definitely a thing. Like it's one of those things when I find out there's another queer comic of color, I'm just like I so happy <laughs> that's great and especially because um our experiences aren't monolithic we definitely come to where we are in different ways and it's always nice to hear so many different queer voices uh performing comedy because it's like you don't you don't don't expect the same thing from all of us it absolutely and it's, and it's sort of and the variance now is so perfect in so many ways that it's it's just like see we're not all the same look there's so many of us you can't tell us i love it i mean i
0: really i really love it i think you're totally right you know what i feel is i feel a real i mean this is just me not i know not everybody feels this way but i feel a very strong sense of community Mm -hmm. with other lgbt folks like i like i just couldn't be into anything more (laughs) like i just love it so much and i also feel like um, we have nothing in common. Like, it's like both things, we're <laughs> family, you know? Yeah. And that's how it is with family. Yeah. Is like you have some culture that you share and then some of stuff course. that makes you so different. And I love that about it. It's, it's what makes this interesting.
1: It, it makes it, um, like it, gets, it gets to the point where people, like that's that was an issue that I always would hear is that when, When a woman goes on stage, you'll expect these kind of jokes. When a gay person goes on stage, you should expect these jokes. And it's like, no, you won't get that. And you are a fool for assuming that. Yeah, absolutely. And and now there is enough of us to prove that wrong. Uh, I love that. Which makes sense.
0: I love it. Well, um, as we wrap up. Mm -hmm. And God, this has been
1: great. I've been having a good time. I
0: know I could talk to you for like seventy-two more hours.
1: Well, well let's get started. Uh, yeah. Welcome to the Cameron and Solomon Marathon. This is hour one of seventy-two.
0: Um, I, I asked you at the beginning uh, before we were recording. I'm I'm trying to just gather a collection of queeros, mm-hmm. like people that have been heroes uh, to the people that I'm interested in talking to. And mm-hmm. do you have somebody in your life that influenced influenced you in a positive way and, and helped you understand yourself?
1: Um, Uh, I would probably, uh, a very good friend of mine since high school, uh, be Tracy. Uh, She is a dynamic individual, and she was also the reason that I stopped being an introvert. Uh, And she was this outspoken, brazen, uh, amazing person who, uh, she, we actually, we hadn't, we graduated, we went to the same high school, and we didn't see each other after we graduated until we were 21, and we're both at a gay bar. Uh, And I look across, and I'm like... You, <laughs> and then she's like, and then she points back at me. And she's like, you too, <laughs> and then it just we picked up the friendship from there. And it was she has this insanely sharp wit, very great mind, and like it was it was one of those things where uh, like I like strong women have always been a great part of my life. From my mother to being obsessed with Grace Jones as a kid to my friend Tracy, and just the idea of. The way she handled being gay uh, and being so comfortable with it got me there so much faster because of her. Dude, shout out to
0: Tracy! (laughs) Thanks for giving us you.
1: Yeah, uh, she. I mean, also you gave us you, I guess.
0: (laughs) But, um, Solomon, do you have anything that you want to plug before we wrap up?
1: Um. Well, I guess I, I I'm doing I I will have an album uh, relatively soon, mostly in the in the fall. Amazing. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I just recorded it, so it will be out uh, with my half hour. So Comedy Central Records, and it's called Homo Negro Superior. And <laughs> I can't wait to listen to it. <laughs> and that will be up soon. Yes.
0: Awesome. We'll check out Solomon Giorgio there, and enjoy the rest of your
1: day. <laughs>
0: listeners, that's our show. Please remember to rate and review us on iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter at Cameron Esposito. We are recorded by Matt Brousseau, produced by Sierra Catow and Feral Audio. Our theme song is by Allie Weiss. Thanks for listening to Query. Feral
1: Audio.